0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Viva Bastardo show brought to you by the Haggerty Podcast Network. Today we have David Beasley, an incredible automotive designer. He's responsible for all sorts of gems like the Lancia, the new Lancia Stratos, the Nissan IDX concept cars, which were incredible. He worked at McLaren. He's doing very, very interesting stuff and he has really, really um, unusual and unorthodox ideas. So let's get into it. more beasley
1: (laughs) that's not something i've heard in (laughs) (laughs) walk
0: well that's so much better man you know uh your name is your name lends itself to being shouted across rooms by stern uh headmasters
1: Yep, that
0: happened (laughs) 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 if we had worked together you probably would not have liked me man there was when i worked in advertising i worked with this guy called jenkins and as you can imagine, it's such a good shouting name. And this is in New York. And when he would come into the office, I would shout all the way across the office. I'd go, Jenkins! <laughs> <laughs> and And after a while, you can imagine, maybe the first time it was vaguely amusing. After that, no longer amusing.
1: Oh, I've been called all sorts. So, yeah. Oh, take the ducks
0: back. Oh, the sound is amazing now, man. Okay, so, so let's just go back. Um, wanted to join the RAF. Uh, yeah. Why did that not happen? You, are you terribly short-sighted
1: no no my my eyesight's bloody good um i did the, the basic fights how, how dare you phil yeah. <laughs> no it was it was simply a thing that when i was looking to join and when i was coming out of school you go through the ucas thing you know, what universities you want to go to i was still entertaining the idea of becoming a pilot but my math score was shocking And they said, uh, well, you know, to be an officer, you definitely need a certain amount of mathematics. It kind of helps. Uh, But if you do a degree with a technical component, then, you know, all is forgiven and you can do basic flight and the rest will teach you. So I said, okay. And I was always quite good at art. Uh, I had a wonderful teacher at school called uh, Neville Crouch, who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago um, from cancer. Uh, But he really pushed me to do design. He said, well, you've got a level head on you. You you like problem solving, but you're good at art. So why not do industrial design? And then going through the UCAS book, he picked out car design. And Coventry just so happened to have uh, a pretty good mechanics and aerodynamics part of the degree. And when I spoke to the recruiter, they said, well, yeah, that will cover it. (laughs) So I went in thinking, "Okay, worst case scenario. I don't like this. I don't get a job in the industry straight into the RAF for me. But I really liked it, and I stuck it out for four years, got the master's. Uh, and then I said to myself, okay, if I don't graduate and get a job, off to the RAF for me. But, RAF as
0: in RAF, just for yeah. so people <laughs> to clarify. Can I just, I read somewhere that that your, that teacher, Neil Kraut, Crouch, was it? Neville Crouch, yeah. Neville Crouch, sorry. Um, he had suggested car design because you had been doodling in
1: textbooks cars. Is that true? Yeah. That's absolutely true. Um, but I kind of started off as one of those annoyance things because there is a shitty kid in class. And I won't mention his name because there's no point uttering his vowels. Um, it's, like, it's like Voldemort. Yeah, exactly. It? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I was just drawing whatever. And he was always the smart kid. Daddy had a flash car. And he's like, well, you know about cars. And I was like, well, I'll sketch <laughs> one, see what happens. And yeah, just kind of took off from there.
0: Isn't it, isn't it extraordinary really how the entire course of your life can be determined by the most random of acts? I think when you're a kid, you always imagine when you grow up, you're sort of, that your life is much more determined and planned than you think it is. And it'll, <laughs> and, but instead, some teacher notices you've been doodling cars, says, what about cars? And then next thing you know, you're a car designer.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's I, I find this still funny to this day because there are people obviously in my profession who are car nuts. And you've had a few of them on your show. Yeah, I really couldn't give two hoots for most of it. I really couldn't, but I love good design, and I love a good story. And the more I got into cars, classic cars, brands, the stories behind them, the more I realized this isn't just drawing fancy things and getting out of maths class. This is actually there's there's something to it. It's, it's it's almost like an avatar for the human spirit, the need to escape, the need to find beauty, the need to do something powerful or unpredictable and, and take life into your own hands and i just thought you know what that's quite cool as a job and there is man, th- yeah, that's a, yeah, a bit lot of,
0: that's a really beautiful way of, of thinking about car design um and and actually that well that leads me well i think well Before we've already gotten into, we've already fallen down the wormhole. But before we continue (laughs) down the wormhole, we should just explain to people who you are. Who are you? And (laughs) and what? Well, one of the things you're very well known for, of course, of course, is that incident in Holland Park. But I know that you didn't realise you weren't wearing trousers. That was a mistake. But other than that, explain that. That's fine. (laughs) Other than that, uh, you were the designer of the Nissan IDX.
1: Yeah, I was really fortunate to be working with. uh, with a pretty good team on that one um it's a it was an interesting project it's probably still one of my favorite projects that i've worked on uh we had an 80th anniversary um sketch sketch program come out and this was for all of the stu- studios from gdc in japan for nde nda so these are the american and european studios uh, sorry, were you, was, sorry were
0: you were you, you were working in Nissan at the time? Yes. Obviously, yes. Yeah. <laughs> just, okay.
1: Yeah, it's just randomly <laughs> slotted in from the outside. By the way, I've got a good <laughs> idea. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, I wish. Um, yeah, so I was at Nissan Europe at the time. Um, and I had previously worked in Nissan Japan for a couple of years and then switched over to the London studio. And this, uh, this competition, this global studio competition came up and it was all about the 80th anniversary. And it was an open competition. Shiro Nakamura, who was in charge at the time, uh, didn't say anything other than just what is your vision of a car that celebrates 80 years of Nissan. So of course, people immediately went to retro. And I previously worked at Mini where retro was the foregone conclusion of design. So I didn't want to do retro per se. I kind of did heritage inspired or whatever designer bullshit you want to call that. Um, and it was just luck of the draw. I just had one of those sketches that appealed and it was quite a bizarre sketch because I was using um Henzo Tange and the Japanese uh, architecture uh, movement of the metabolists as reference, because that was from the 60s, 70s. And that was kind of the era that most people were going for three box. And I thought, well, oh, okay, I use that as a metaphor. And I had this quite architectural looking thing that was neither retro yet still a bit futuristic. Um, lots of references of architecture in the background, quite Japanese And it just stuck. But Uh, when I got super lucky.
0: This was in 2008,
1: was it? When was was that, the idea? No,
0: no, 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 later than that, right?
1: Yeah, 2013, it was at the most show. Yeah. So we must have started 2011,
0: 2012. Right. So, well, God, there's so many things to say. First of all, I remember (laughs) clearly seeing those and just thinking – (laughs) <laughs> like, I mean, I guess there's always a little boy in everyone and every or little child in everyone who loves cars. And every time you see a concept car, you always want, please, 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 please be real. Um, so, I mean, it, that one
1: was so close.
0: I well, I was reading about it. I mean, it it's it was it's kind of like making The Godfather and then the studio <laughs> going, yeah, you know, we're not going to release this. Uh <laughs> Because it and I understand, I, I I read I read the reasons why not, and 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 it was a, it was purely economic, right? They were they were a bunch of
1: yeah, nah. yeah no I don't no. Know how <laughs> well, much can... I'm going to get shot for this? Um, there was a lot of politics involved. First okay. of all, Nissan didn't have a platform; um, they didn't yeah. have a front engine rear wheel drive, so that was a bit of a problem. And it was lightly communicated in the press in Japan, so I guess I can talk about it. Um, we talked to Mazda about getting the MX5 platform, but Mazda had already signed on with, at the time, FCA, Fiat, or the Little Hubbard Spider. So there was, that was not going to happen. Yeah. And I think if memory serves me correct, uh, one of the guys who's in charge of the program, um, Satoru Tai, I think, said that when he had the conversation with the Mazda engineer, the Mazda engineer kind of pulled him aside and said, it's such a special thing doing a front-engined rear-wheel drive and FR platform, you should probably do it yourself and enjoy it. (laughs) Which to any engineer or economist within the automotive program means this is going to be bloody expensive. (laughs) So that was the first problem. The second problem was uh, one of the chaps who was in charge of product planning at the time, um, he was the vice president, I think, uh, left, he quit and went to Aston Martin. And in doing that, the chap took over, uh, didn't like him so much, so decided to kill a lot of projects that he was trying to push through.
0: Uh, It was like an ego thing.
1: A little bit, a little bit. And then the third, which was really the issue, was if they were trying to do it on the cheap and they weren't going to do an FR, could they do it on an existing platform? And there were a couple of options that they could have used, but all would have changed the proportions uncomfortably. And what people probably do know, if you know a lot about that car, uh, the concepts that is, um, they were built on Sylvia platforms. So they were drivable. So it was the old S chassis uh, sports cars. So nice locales, good proportions, good wheelbase. So we've done it before, but didn't want to do it, didn't see the invest. Right Now, irony is, if that had been an EV, yeah, build it tomorrow. In fact, they could probably still build it tomorrow and it would still cause a storm. But it was just one of those things.
0: I find that the design of that the IDX was quite um, ahead of its time, in terms of what you see now. That that this, I mean, you, there's been there's been this massive wave of kind of companies looking back at their, you know, um, uh, Hyundai, uh, Peugeot, yeah. with that glorious uh, what was that, uh, what was that one they did, the 508 or something, or the they did. Uh, anyway. uh. <sighs>
1: The design's going to kill me because I love him and he's a, he's a brilliant guy. And I love that car as well. Isn't he Gilles, oh, what's the
0: thing? Uh, Gilles something?
1: No, he oversaw sure. it. The, the actual designer. Oh, the name will come back to me. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: anyway, uh, but, 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 but your, but your idea is kind of, was quite prescient in that. It, it was, a it, you know, you were kind of, you were, I mean, like you say, it wasn't, it wasn't nostalgic, but it hadn't. Mm. It had ideas of nostalgia. There were things in there that seemed like they were, <laughs> you're cringing. So... <laughs> they, well, it, well, there were things in there that you looked at it and it felt like there were things from the past in there somehow.
1: Yeah. But you yeah, weren't sure what they much. were. Yeah, that was deliberate. We didn't want to do just a copy of a retro 510. Um, right. I was trying to put in Akoska Skyline prefer- preferences, um, CSP 311 Sylvia references, 510, uh, SSS. Uh, a couple of other bits and pieces to try and find something that felt appropriate for the period, but in a very fresh way. And that's right. where the Metabolist came in, where Kenzo Tange really stepped in.
0: Sorry, I was supposed to just wait, really hang on a minute. <laughs> you, you open up so many wormholes and just run past them, <laughs> just sprint put an Usain Bolt. <laughs> I don't even know what the Metabolist, what's the Metabolist? It sounds like it's a, some sort of Victorian seancey thing, like gather round, we're going to hold hands. <laughs> what 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 are the... Bear with me. For people not who. For people who are not watching YouTube, sorry, that silence I should explain <laughs> is David running around grabbing some books from his library. I'm I, a bit of a book freak. I was just I just have to explain to people because I I suddenly occurred to me that there's most people going to be watching listening to this, not watching it, and there okay. was suddenly a silence. So sorry, <laughs> that was you running around picking books off your shelves to show. <laughs> so if you're watching the YouTube, you'll see what's happening. If you're listening to the radio, we'll have to describe it
1: for anybody who would like an insight into how advanced and how free-thinking the Japanese were, particularly during the bubble era. Hang on, wait, do you want... Okay,
0: so (laughs) the bubble era is...
1: The golden age, the golden uh, part of the Japanese economy where they just had so much money, they built theme parks in every village.
0: So you're saying the 80s, 70s, 80s? 80s, 60s, 70s, and
1: then it burst in the 80s pretty much. Oh, that's right. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, they just had... It was it was the miracle. They had everything. The manufacturing, everything was built in Japan. Everything Japanese was amazing, and they just had so much money. It's ridiculous. And in that period, that's when at the beginning of that period, that's when they had uh, a lot of crazy concepts of architecture, and they were building cities in the water and uh, doing all sorts of mad things. And by the end of it, you had uh, insane little uh, K cars with gold wing doors, like the Autozam's and things like that. You know, the money Sarah. was no object. It didn't really matter. Yeah, right. all of that stuff. <laughs> I love that car, by the way. Me too. I'm um, a huge Sarah fan. <laughs> so getting back to to um, the architecture, Kenzo Tange, this chap, um, yeah. really, really important architect. He set up the Metabolist movement and it was a counterbalance from um, European-esque Renaissance architecture and the way that it carried forward in its own way to the, the American skyscrapers and imperialism and, and all of that jazz. And the Japanese offered just another way of looking at it, which was very intelligent. That was um, very three-dimensional. And that still carries on to this day the way that they do their architecture. So if you're ever in Tokyo and you go to Yoyogi National Stadium, which is just in the park opposite the the shrine, you have this beautiful tented um, architecture, piece of architecture, which is, it's just art. I have no idea how they figured this one out. And it's all, um, all off of one cable and then the, the concrete all just under its own weight, creates this perfect curve. So things like that, with oh, these I've cantilevered seen that. forms, I've I been love. There. yeah. And that's what really inspired the nose on the IDX. So it's this forward-leaning, forward-to-the-future aspect to it. But, yeah, and I, I think that it, it just it went down well. I didn't want to put chrome around everything. I didn't want to do the traditional heritage thing. And then when we got to the final car, they decided to put chrome bumpers on it and paint it beige. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I see. It's left 70. deep scars. It's left deep scars. It's so interesting, man. It seems to me that clearly you're you're a person who is very interested in in everything around himself, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of sort of sponging it all up and then regurgitating it out in cars somehow.
1: Yeah, but, that's what good designers have to be. Social sponge. Right.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right, man. You have to be kind of a, a sociologist and a bit of a psychologist and a, and a bit of an architect and a bit of a designer and a I don't know. I, I'm sure a dozen other things. Um, it seems to me that you spent quite a bit of time in Japan,
1: um, yeah.
0: And and I, it feels like Japan had a real. The thing I've always, I'm I'm obsessed with Japan, and the thing I always, loved, I've said this endlessly, but the thing that I've always loved about Japan is that everything matters. Yeah, very whereas, much so. Uh, whereas I feel like in the West, things will matter if you're willing to pay for them to matter.
1: Yeah. That's very true. Uh, and my seems- whole life is Japanese, so uh, we I get an excuse to go back every year, which is good. And oh, it's always so, always so the little things.
0: Yeah, isn't it? It's always you go. Oh, look, they're paying attention to this thing, and it doesn't even matter. No one's really going to see it, but it mattered to someone because it's yeah. inherent. It's inherent in the culture. But but it's so it seems like that that has had some kind of influence on how you think. Would very you much that? so.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, there was a, another interesting anecdote. Um, there was a guy at Nissan, uh, in san who now teaches in Italy, at one of the top design schools. And we were talking one day about the IDX clay as we're, we're milling around it. And I'm trying to solve this highlight and I'm having this argument with myself about volume and line versus highlights and the Germans will always have the perfect highlights in a very Teutonic way and everything's clean. Wait, hang and I'm on, saying, sorry, man.
0: Just to back up a second, we, <laughs> do you have to explain to civilians what these things mean? So ah, when you're talking about... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you've gone down the Thessaurian the, 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 the wormhole. Yeah. So, what we're, <laughs> so a highlight on a car is, if you wouldn't mind... How
1: you perceive the light or the reflections of your surroundings across the body of the vehicle helps to describe the shape. Okay, perfect. That's and beautifully said. Surprise, i haven't even had a decent cup of coffee yet uh, so I'm, I'm trying to argue about the the body side and how that should be read versus what the highlight does because i've got a very simple construction and you naturally want to pull the highlight of the body side out so that when you see the highlight it's nice and clean it doesn't do any funny shapes or anything but when you do that you lose all the section in the car it's like should i should i should i shouldn't i and Inui-san came over and he said, oh, okay, David-san, this is very wabi-sabi. You have become Japanese. (laughs) I'm like, Wabi, you what? Who now? He said, wabi-sabi. And the basic principle is that it's okay to have a floor. And it was explained to me like this. And this has stuck with me. This is brilliant. So every year, say they rebuild a shrine. Um, I'm going to get the name wrong, but Izu Shrine or something like that on the Southern Peninsula. Um, every 20 years, sorry, every 20 years, they rebuild this thing. And it's been on that site and been rebuilt for maybe hundreds of years, maybe more. And every time they rebuild it, they make one thing wrong. Deliberately, maybe a step is slightly out of kilter. Maybe one of the carvings is upside down. Maybe they paint the wrong end of a bit of wood or something like that. And it's deliberate because the principle of Wabi Sabi is that it's okay to celebrate failure because it proves it has a human soul. So if you take that out and it becomes too perfect, it becomes too too teutonic, it becomes too cold, and you lose that sense of humanity to it. Like, I don't have an emotional attachment to this. But, ironically, the iPhone 3GS, which had the big curved jelly bean back case, which many people went, oh, it doesn't feel technical enough. When you hold it in your hand, it feels right you know which way up it is there's that almost imperfection about it but it's cool same with the idx i just left the wobble because when you look at it from the rear three quarter you see perfectly the section of the body side and i'm like yeah japanese well done
0: (laughs) there is a it's interesting because the the japanese have this beautiful tradition and belief in imperfection um Mm. isn't there shit i'm gonna it's kitsugi i can't remember that i'm totally i'm i'm sure i'm getting it entirely wrong but that idea when you you know what i'm talking about when you break a oh yeah the, uh, the gold when you break, yeah when you break a ceramic jar or, or vase then you repair it but then you and you highlight the crack yeah. with gold to highlight so you turn the crack into something beautiful you, you make mm. it into it's a feature not a bug to make it to to, to, to dumb down a beautiful idea and I, i've always really loved that idea um actually funnily yeah. enough um i was watching a really um I was watching a little interview with Michael Caine and he was, and he was talking, <laughs> this is kind of tangentially related. He was talking about um, uh, early on in his career, he was doing a play and, and he was supposed to go, it was a stage, it was a set and he was supposed to go through the door and someone had knocked a chair over and it blocked the door. And so he said to his, he said to the director, the director said to him, use the difficult.
1: Yes, I've seen this.
0: And I thought, wow, that's so genius. Use the <laughs> difficult because you can always in the difficult, you can always find, he said, you can always find like even if you turn it, you can always find a tiny, tiny way to turn it to your advantage and make something better by using the difficult. And I thought, wow, that's kind of genius. And it's weirdly similar to what we're talking about, with this Japanese idea of celebrating the imperfection, making it a strength. Yeah. There's something lovely about that. I
1: would take that one step further. Um, before I got this job, I was looking at some options and I spoke to a company in Iceland called Osur, who make robotized prosthetics for people, uh-huh. which was super nice. And I was in this sci fi geeky period of my life where I was like, oh, hell, I've got to watch Ghost in the Shell. I've got to Isn't watch that all of, I feel
0: like that might be all of your life.
1: <laughs> There's a bit of that. There is quite a bit of that, to be fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But we're, we're talking um, at Osser, and I was talking to the, the head of design there, this uh, really nice lady. And she was saying that we're still at the period where people who have prosthetics still feel like they're damaged in some way. Mm. And then I, I said, well, yeah, that's not entirely true. They're at the forefront of human evolution, that if you lose something, you can regain it, but it's better. Like, imagine if you've got this robotized limb, but it has all these extra things, and people walk up to you and go, oh, my God, that's cool it's kind of like the kitsugi thing i mean if you had a, a robotic hand and people didn't see it as a disability they saw it as an awesome object that like you've bettered yourself through the imperfection i just love that aspect and design can do that we can do that and we now have the technology craft i sound like the million dollar man or i something. was just gonna say that's
0: the <laughs> six was it was it, it a was six million dollar man
1: six dollar million man has it gone up it's six more million. expensive these well, days well no no it was, it, was a six,
0: it was a six million dollar man in the in the in this in was that show in the eighties, but I was 70s. thinking six, 70s, six seventies but I was thinking you know six million dollar man now is a round of drinks like what are you going to get like a toe a bionic toe for that six million bucks <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but you you but you but that what well, that was but that was the ethos but you're right though that that's um there's someone who does uh who does, they, they make they they kind of customize leg prosthesis to mm-hmm. make them into art, but that's not quite the same thing what you're talking about is something is is I mean, are there prostheses that exist that are better than the original?
1: Yeah, I think they're getting there. Uh, if you look at Boston Dynamics and what they're oh. kicking out the door, it won't take long before that's on human scale. I'm I was just sure watching.
0: I was just watching a Boston Dynamics video yesterday. In fact, it was just—it's extraordinary. Mm. I mean, this robot is jumping around, doing you know
1: somersaults. It's just—I mean, well, Honda. In- Honda had Asimo, right? I ah, think and- uh, Hyundai. Uh, I've got some sort of robotics division, mobility yep. division as well. So I'm just waiting till half their designers have bionic hands with like six <laughs> pencils on. <laughs> it could do all sketches <laughs> at a million miles an hour. <laughs> they could just
0: yeah. They could just they could just, they have all the clay tools. <laughs> well, I guess no one does clay models anymore. <laughs> God, that was very Dickensian. Ah, no, it.
1: we still do them. Really? Oh
0: okay. <laughs> yeah. That's uh. I was thinking as I was watching the Boston Dynamics thing, I was thinking, okay, I'm just basically seeing the end of humanity. I'm watching my own demise. <laughs>
1: Well, talking about that, I mean, that brings us to a really interesting topic these days that we're just starting to see is AI art. I mean, that's, that's the end oh, of right. our jobs so as some people are saying it, but frankly, and it's painful, but I'm starting to see portfolios come in saying, Oh, I want to be a car designer. And you can tell some of that sketch work is not theirs. Right. So, well, for it's, the kids, it's... this is not cool.
0: It's fascinating. It is it is fascinating because I've been seeing a lot of that on Instagram, like people mm. posting AI stuff of cars and stuff. And, and it feels to me, um, it feels kind of like stock photography and stock illustration. Yeah. I don't know if people are going to know what that is, but I used to work in advertising for for a long time, and, and there were stock houses. You, you would buy, like, it was sort of slightly generic illustration of things. Mm. And that's what it feels like. Like, it feels like it doesn't have, it's not. I haven't seen anything yet, but I'm not to say I won't, I'm sure we will, but I haven't seen anything yet that, that, that is genius. But what is interesting about the AI, AI generated art is it becomes not, a, for me, it's not about the art. It's about the way in which you, pro, the, the words you use to generate the art. Hmm. That's the interesting part. Like, what are the things you can say to make other, is there, a, I have, what's the thing you can say to make it do something
1: genius? That is a good question. And that comes down to, I think, a good education and a good understanding of the language. Uh, and I think I sound like an old man now. But kids these days. Um, <laughs> uh, there are certain words that would, can be completely over their head. But if you were to use that word right, obviously AI knows what it is and would probably pull something out of the bag. This I don't sounds, think I'll ever get this to genius. Very, this sounds but, very
0: Harry pottery It's like you need to know this. You need to, basically, you need to be a wizard who knows the right spells.
1: Yeah. Latin included, it, it's it could be it could be one of those things. I mean, we're seeing a lot of sports cars. Obviously, that's the natural default. So sports car on the moon, McLaren, hashtag, whatever. You just think, you know what's gonna happen here. But to get that genius thing, I don't think we're gonna see that because the AI only learns from what it sees on the internet. And then right. it's like a a self-repeating virus. If it's learning off its own AI images, it will just disappear off its own ass and you'll just get a standard gray box at some point and that will be it that will be the end of the internet
0: <laughs> <laughs> wait you're you're prophesying the end of the internet right here dick <laughs> beasley has spoken <laughs> on ai generative art yeah <laughs> well there's a big uh yeah i mean i've played with it quite a bit but i i've yet to find something that's um i've yet to produce something that i go oh that's really amazing and and it's hmm. sort of it, but i guess it'll get there right
1: it will I imagine it's quite useful if you want, just speaking logically as a designer, um, if you want to set a nice rendering, uh, you could program in the parameters that you want for the background or for the type of vehicle. Obviously, the design of it will be trash. But you then Photoshop over your own style. Right. But you've got the references for colors. You've got the references for reflections. The background, you've got a starting very big, nice piece of art. But right The design, you know, is still you. you you have to do that. So I can see that. and that's no different to designers these days using photographs in backgrounds or graphics and this, that and the other. nothing really changes in that respect. It's just how they want to use it. Um, I it's it's a tool like anything else. Um, I suppose most studios will be looking into it, but if you want intuition, true genius, it's still down to us. It's still taking a, a random book of whatever, flicking through it, having a few coffees, and, you know, oh, that could be quite good. What's your uncle? New design.
0: How do you... Do people ask you all the time where you get your ideas from? People, people. when I'm... As an artist, people always ask me that idea, and I, I never have a...
1: There's no answer for it. No, I just say... Anything, everything, and I start to talk, and then they just switch off and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> they just spray you with they, you get you
0: get the pepper spray or the taser, yeah. and then you wake up and they're gone. Easy, hard, we not.
1: It's like designer. Okay.
0: <laughs> my my only the only analogy I can ever make for how ideas arrive is that is this is that you're sitting at home, and you, <laughs> and then the doorbell rings, and it's an idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm but living you have, in the wrong neighborhood <laughs> well, you,
0: but you know what I mean like there's no and, and it's quite frightening in a way because because there is no definitive source because you can't look at a map and point to the location the origin point of ideas you mm. kind of just they're just these sort of magical mythological things that will just show up randomly at your door ring your doorbell if you're lucky but sometimes no one rings the bell for a while
1: yeah yeah it it, it happens or sometimes they just randomly pop into your head when you're doing menial tasks like it was was just fixing a leak i got this swedish heat pump thing which i need to figure out what exactly what it does and it sprung a leak and you're in there mopping stuff up and i'm thinking oh god and oh that's an idea to note down later so (laughs) covered in god knows whatever it is note it down on a piece of paper and i'll get back to that tomorrow but it's just one of those things i loved working in a bar when i was a student and I would always keep a little notepad on me because I've had a sketch of an idea whilst you're not thinking. Your brain is free. It's like meditation. You don't have to think. If you think too hard, you're screwed. You're just going to go round and round in circles. But sometimes, as you said, it's bing bong. Idea's here, and you. <laughs> Delivering. <what> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, a note? Do you
0: have notebooks full of ideas?
1: Yeah. So yeah. do you? Moleskin has a lot to answer for. They've taken all my money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you? Do you? Um... Do you often, I mean, I used to do this when I worked in advertising, and I'd recycle ideas endlessly. Like, okay, you're not going to buy it? Well, you know, a year later, what about this idea? And you'd pitch it to a client like it was a new thing. Or oh, can you not reveal
1: uh, Yes, I think any designer will do that. If they really, truly believe something's a good idea and they haven't managed to get it through, of course, an element of that will always repeat itself. Um, I also used to work in, in Italy. I was rather lucky to be part of Pin and Farina. Oh, I'm and, glad you,
0: I wanted to ask you about that uh,
1: then. So the, the Italian style houses were renowned at some point for, um, changing a grill, selling right. an idea. And I used to own a DeLorean, which, uh, Simon uh. alerted to it last week. That was my car, which he bought off me. Uh, but I was researching for writing a book on DeLorean on the design. And I was going through all the archives from Zijaro and you just see how many of the cars that he tried three or four ideas and obviously hadn't got through into production. He's like, screw it. Uh, this is going to go on the next one. And. Bingo, you've got the
0: DeLorean. Well, well, of course, man. I mean, it's uh, Giugiaro and Gandini, but in those two in particular, they're famous, <laughs> but like they were eco friendly before it was eco friendly in terms of recycling ideas. I yeah, mean, the, the what's that Ferrari? There's a Ferrari that ended up looking being the Fiat X19? You know what I mean? The oh. concept car? That,
1: yes. F- ah,
0: I mean, Rainbow? It's, it's, yeah, yeah 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 exactly yeah. exactly yeah it's fantastic and then you see oh now it's an XP X19 but smaller and less kind of imposing but similar design similar proportions
1: and affordable like uh, that yeah. helps
0: yeah uh, so wait tell t- tell me about what was it like what's it like working for i mean working for Pininfarina farina it's it's like i don't know going to like you know if you're catholic like going to work for the pope that's, a shit, that? that's <laughs> the, wor- the, worst, the worst fucking analogy but anyway uh, i mean what was that like what was it like working with the
1: italians there uh it was an amazing experience i call it my third degree um you learn so much i i went in as a cocky kid coming out of bmw advanced and um was thinking yeah i kind of know my shit I've, I've got a few tricks up my sleeve when it comes to design and you walk walking through the door and realize you know nothing and within the first few weeks, kind of the, a couple of the old guard there, Alier come in, or um, uh, Goran Popovich, uh, just to name a few, who barely speak English, but would take the time between a cigarette and a cup of coffee to say, you well, when you do with the lines, it's faster. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need. And it was all about just learning proportion, the stance, the simplicity of read. And they just, don't teach you this stuff in schools. Sorry. Okay. Granted, pinning is very
0: unique to that. Hang on. Simplicity of read. <laughs> you clearly have not. I feel like you haven't spoken to a non-car designer in maybe ten or fifteen years. Am I the first regular person you've spoken to in years?
1: COVID's been cruel.
0: <laughs> simplicity of read. I mean, I would imagine it's it's like a. Uh,
1: well, you tell uh, me. Sorry. Okay. So when I say simplicity of read, it's it's how you get from the front to the back, and in the seventies. So we're talking um, after Sputnik. So when the space race kicked off and Italian cars suddenly went from big, sexy, voluptuous numbers like Muras and, and 250s to uh, Modulos and Stratoseros and things like that. So there was this crazy wedge sci-fi action going on. And even then, and Pinin was the master of this, they aligned all of their details or allowed the bodies or the, um, the waterline, the reflection on the body side where it's, coming all the way through the car, to still pick up on all the details. So top of the nose, center of the lights, side vent, door handle, thin tail light. They're all in one line, even if there's no physical line to connect them. But like simplicity to, of read. Like
0: a dot to dot
1: yeah. drawing when you're a kid. And in the 70s, it got a little bit more literal because they were doing clamshell constructions or two-part body. So there was literally a line or a swage or a molding or something. But it's that simplicity of read, which is the first part of it. But the second part of it is, not complicating it with too many themes or graphics. So if you just have one nice, simple shape, you've got that really dynamic line that comes through the car and maybe just one jewel of a detail. That's all you need. And that's memorable.
0: That's what my friend calls the the design. It's called the eye of the duck. (laughs) Have you heard that phrase?
1: No, but I'm going to use this now. Go on.
0: The eye of the duck is that one. It's my friend Bradley, who he runs a, a, a watch company called Autodromo. I know the, Bradley. Yeah. yeah. So he talks about the eye of the duck, which is this one little detail that kind of makes it all. It, it, it becomes in some ways the linchpin of the entire yeah. thing. Like with this one detail, it makes everything sing.
1: And yeah, without, yeah, totally.
0: And, and it's kind of a fascinating idea. So the <laughs> <have> duck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh well yes yeah, Stratos okay well so I know you designed the new I had a Stratos um which in, which funnily enough is incredible from the front. I always found the side view uh it was surprisingly bloated in a in a weird way I found a bit fat from the yeah. side but um but the front three quarter, oh amazing but you designed didn't you design, help design work on the the new Stratos?
1: Yep, I did. When I was at Pinin, that was the uh, project we weren't allowed to talk about because obviously it was a Bertone car. Right. Um, and uh, it was in the contract, thou shalt not talk about Farina doing a Stratos. Right. The the guy who commissioned it uh, brought it to us through a very convoluted way, and I won't go into that because that's a horror story. Um <laughs> but basically, uh, I worked on the team and I was given that car to start with. And I made a complete pig's ear of it at the start, because obviously you're like, oh, my God, I've been given an iconic car. What the f- do I do?
0: I know. Um, I mean, I mean, that, that's like <laughs> that's like someone giving you the Mona Lisa. OK, hey, look, we want to do a new Mona Lisa for 2023. Well, you know, give us your best shot.
1: Yeah. and And I tried too hard and I went way beyond what was considered a normal Stratos uh to the so point what, just, what does that mean though what does that mean oh it i i they just wanted a car they just wanted to cut up a ferrari take 200 mil out the, the wheelbase ditch the body and then put something on it and i was trying to do a new brand language and create this new icon and do all these funny things and try yeah, to you, you know what man
0: if in your defense i would say like uh one of my <laughs> my the new Kuntash. Which I find is a crime against society in general. It's, just a, it's a, it's a horrifying. Mm. It's just a, it's a, fucking, anyway. But what, I'm sputtering with indignation in the most Victorian <laughs> manner. My uh, my monocle has popped out in rage. Good lord, man! Good God! But because I felt like if you're gonna do, if you're gonna take that name, not dissimilar to. What you felt when you're given the Stratos, it represents such an extraordinary thing. If you're going to take that name, you owe it to the name itself and and what it and the and the revolution it created to do something extraordinary. And so that's not what the client wanted,
1: right? Yeah, they they uh, basically wanted to copy and paste and shafted us in a review after Christmas. I think it was where um, again I won't mention names. A a certain gentleman of a certain large German company came in unannounced. And tore through the design and went, that is not this, that's not a Stratos, that's not a Stratos. Look, here's what a real Stratos looks like. And, you know, the client is always right.
0: But you weren't trying to make a Stratos. You were trying to you were trying to interpret the idea of Stratos and make it,
1: which yep. is... Yep. So yeah. one of the other designers that I had uh, the pleasure of working with, uh, Luca Burgonia, who is an absolute gem and a mammoth of a man, uh, <laughs> he joined the project and basically acted as the, as the head for that uh, and said, okay, we take Stratos and scale, 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 fit it over the basic package and throw it back to them. And they they lapped it up, they took it. So the only thing that survived on that car, which is truly me, is the arse of the car. And if you look at it underneath the tail lights, it's actually quite curved. And that's yeah. what I wanted through the rest of the car. I wanted to keep the pin in simple line, the, the pinch down the body side, And I wanted to get rid of all the sharp edges and the hard intersects of the wheel arches and things and just do a very nice, very modern, big rounded volume that then just came down to a simple wedge pinch at the front and just blend all the wheel arches in. And they untrimmed everything, went back to pure intersects and just.
0: God, I I would love to see that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, you will never see a Toledano.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I can sketch it on a napkin. But it yes. was it was a fun project because it, it it gave me within a few months a real sense of the pain of doing a, a bespoke car for a client and having to work with a client. But also this amazing can-do attitude of engineers coming in cold into a project and saying, all right, well, we've got this Ferrari that the guy's just spent X amount of money on. And they're uh, cutting off the bodywork. And you're seeing, you know, true Ferrari fans, diehard engineers, bodywork guys crying as they're cutting this car apart. And then seeing how they can figure out to build it back together with bits from over here and, and new structures and new glass. And it was just this can-do attitude of like, we have to build it. We're going to build it. This is the deadline. The client's paid. There's a big bucket of cash over there. Do it. And it's just amazing to see. So whenever I go to a company, And they say, oh, it can't be done, or no, that would take too long. I'm like, no, it can't. We can do it tomorrow. It's just willpower and maybe a bit of money. But yeah, it can be done.
0: This is very un-English of you.
1: I know. (laughs) I've been corrupted.
0: (laughs) Wait a minute. Show me your passport, (laughs)
1: sir. Let's not get into that topic.
0: Well, Well, one of the reasons I moved to America, although I always felt like America was the land of of why not and england was land of why
1: (laughs) (laughs) i always used to think that england was that country of why not but it has very much become the country of why bother right and it's a bit of a shame it is a bit of a shame that's politics i'm not getting into that that is a no no, no, no. avoid
0: that so um i mean it's interesting because uh I feel like, in a weird way, there are so many parallels to designing cars and making ads. In the sense that I found that my career in advertising was basically like a twelve-year argument. You're <laughs> always, you're always pers- trying to persuade people that what you're saying is genius, and what and their criticisms are wrong-ish. Uh, um, but then, uh, but then I had to learn early on that you have to, at some point, you have to kind of. You have to at least seem like you're taking on board what's being said and absorbing it, and then and then changing things slightly. But how do you find? How do you maintain the integrity of your ideas?
1: Oh Jesus, that's a question and a half. Um, sometimes you just have to blindly follow. It. If the gut is right, you you have to follow it. And if they fail, they fail. If they succeed, they succeed. That's all luck. If, you know, the part of you that says, I really think, I really believe in this, you've got to stick by it. Other times it's okay just to say, and I've had to learn this through bitter experience. Yeah, I screwed up. Didn't work. Okay. Let's start again. Or well, let's try something else. Or yes, the idea is better. I've always believed that if you truly believe in the integrity of your idea, other people will believe in it too. If you're just, you know, this one guy whistling in the wind, you're probably got a hell of a lot more to sell and it's never going to be an easy task so if you can get your ideas the integrity to remain it it really is down to just passion and selling it and just being honest about it all and trying as best as you can and the other thing i believe in if you are passionate people will see that passion and you will be able to say okay the guy really believes in it let's give him a shot rather than just coldly ignoring it I think Simon actually said something interesting on, on the last uh, podcast that you did. Um, that you know, if oh Christ, I've just forgotten what you said. I was going to quote him later. <laughs> um, okay,
0: this, uh, is the jo- this is the joy of aging. Is yeah, <laughs>
1: shit. <laughs> I'll come back to it. But He'll the, come back the, to the it. principle, the, the principle was that if if you truly do believe in it, and you you can push that idea that if you if you have that passion people will see it they, they will believe in you and it does make it a hell of a lot easier I've been in presentations where people have put a hundred sketches up on the wall and it's great artwork and you ask the designer which one do you really like so uh, mm, okay that doesn't sell it right if, if you've got a a hundred sketches and maybe just one is that like this one and it's the weirdest one everybody goes oh Shit, how are you sure about that? But okay, there's something in it. Push it. Try it. Let's see how far you can get. I've worked with some crazy designers who are amazing about that. Well, and it's just it's worth every every minute of pain to try and get it to work to stick by that integrity.
0: Well, just jumping I mean, well well look, ultimately, passion is convincing. Hmm. But you're right. I mean you're right. Because if some <laughs> when you look at people, particularly Design always really interesting, and and new design always requires a leap of faith from the from the people who have not conceived it. And yes, bri- yes
1: right, and that's the, and, that's the and, Simon the, thing
0: I was about to say. And the, is that what? Well, and the, but the the thing that builds the bridge that allows them to make that leap. If I'm going to continue this metaphor, is your belief in the in the in the lunacy of what you're saying. If you are Hmm. utterly convinced, then people go, well, he believes it so much that maybe we're not seeing quite, we should, we're not quite seeing it, but we should let him go with it for a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, it does. No, and that's what I think Simon was saying, similar sort of thing. It's like, if you're immediately saying no to an idea, you think, why am I saying no? And then go back to it and go, okay let's just give it five minutes maybe my prejudices or my preconceptions have already been outdated maybe i'm just an old fuddy-duddy and i need to rethink my my outlook and that has really taught me to kind of stick by stuff sometimes i might look like an old geezer with a bow tie and a silly (laughs) waistcoat but uh, i assure you my ideas are slightly more on the crazier fresher side than that
0: i assure you sir it's actually (laughs) will happen (laughs) <laughs> it's actually interesting because i've found that myself that i have sometimes i instinctively recoil when i see things and this is the most ridiculous of examples but i i own a de Tommaso Guara. speaking of unusual <laughs> designs <laughs> so i think it's in person it's really an interesting thing um, i think but the thing that there's that it, what really bothers me is that on the bonnet, there's a, there's grills on the bonnet, and I think they're just terrible. Immediate To me, they just don't. They seem out of sorts with the car. So I I asked my friends Auto Fabrica in England. I don't know if you know those guys. Yeah. They designed the most amazing cars. They designed a couple of – they came up with a couple of grill suggestions. And one of them – and immediately I just said – I looked at them. I was like, no, this is no good. And I came back a couple of weeks later, and I looked at one of the grill ideas, and I thought, wow, that is amazing and it's and it's totally in keeping with the design of the car but it was so it was quite it seemed so radical that it immediately <laughs> I, I said no and then you know when you and then I then I was just disappointed in myself for not being able to see it immediately i thought how could how can i not understand that that was really great at the time
1: it's, it's one of those things maybe between the time that you first saw it and when you saw it again you'd seen something else that had sparked that or had led you down this garden path into this this idea. And it's like if we're having ideas in the studios, we're coming up with concepts and uh maybe the top boss says, ah, no, too much, too much, to this, that, and the other. It's not right then. It's not to say it won't be right in the future. You alluded to it earlier when we said, how do you recycle ideas and is that okay? Yeah, it's okay because you will come to a point where maybe that idea that you had is absolutely applicable. But somebody says, oh fuck, actually that one, now it makes sense. This guy's kind of hinted at it over here, and oh, okay, they're running with it. Let's get in there. Let's let's do it. Let's get ahead of the pack now. It's it's that right place, right moment type thing.
0: So can we just can we just jump ahead for a minute? You are now working at Lincoln Co. Yes, and which, which I've People I've never heard. I not I, well, I don't know what it is, but you keep posting on your bloody Instagram this car. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep going, fuck, that looks, what is that? How can I get one? It looks amazing. And to me, that seems like a sort of compendium of really interesting ideas and lines and shapes that 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 are quite beyond where we are in terms of what cars look like now. So can you, <laughs> please explain to me, Victorian gentleman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, okay, start with Lincoln Co. So Lincoln Co. is a branch of Geely. Geely Automotive, who are one of the biggest car manufacturers in the world. Chinese. They own, yes, Chinese. My friends and colleagues over there, um, they own uh, Lotus, they own Volvo, Holstar. Uh They've also got their own internal brands in China, such as Geely Automotive, um, Jidu, Maple, Geometry, and there are many, many more. Uh, there's a car Z. brand
0: called Geometry? Yes. Fantastic. I it's, feel like the sub-brands
1: write themselves. It's not as geometric as one would hope.
0: Here's the here's the four door Pythagoras.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that could that could be the new naming structure. I'm not allowed to talk about that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I want to say. But Lincoln Co was this interesting moment in time when Geely took over Volvo, and obviously Geely were at the the more uh, common end of the market. Obviously common, but they're like Volkswagen, and they had all of a sudden they had the the upper end Audi stuff because they bought Volvo, and was thought well, how do we make use of all this investment? What are we going to do? So they started to use Volvo chassis and create uh, a mid-premium, a next-premium. Not ultra-luxury, but premium. So they're taking Volvo chassis uh, and reskinning them with a uh, very modern design, the antithesis of, of Volvo, which was very scanty and clean and pure. And this was a little bit more poppy and fun and, and um, dark and mysterious with lots of interesting lighting and detailing and stuff. Uh, and that brand has really just grown from there. And it's it's probably only about five or six years old in its entirety, but it has nine models in its portfolio. We're but moving wait, what, into what, this what next stage. What brand is this?
0: What is the brand?
1: Link & So, but yeah. where,
0: are the, where, are the cars? Where, where are the cars? Where are the, where? <laughs> Show well, the cars? Show
1: me the cars. They're all in China. They've sold a hell of a lot of cars in China. They were one of the fastest growing brands in China at one point. Um, and uh, yeah, there's branching into Europe. So if you come to Sweden, there's a Lincoln Co. club. So it's like a subscription service. You can pay different levels and you get a brand new car delivered to your door. You can pick up a a week old one or a month old one. I don't know exactly what the the system is, but it's for people who live in cities, don't want to pay servicing costs, don't have a garage, can't keep it on the street, but really want to get out, really want to explore or need a car for that special journey or just for a weekend jolly. And it's the perfect excuse.
0: So that car that i mean one of the things i remembered the the lights that the the headlights in the front Mm are that the whole thing is what is that car is that a real car is that a concept car
1: that is a concept car so the one that i've been posting is is the next day we're trying our damnedest to to see whether we can get that um into production so the future is looking very bright for us uh hence the name of the vehicle the next day it's our next statement of intent and that was a Easy project because we did that from first sketch to A class model. And before you say, "Easily, you've done it again." What is A class? A class means the engineering surfaces. So it's that uh, the surface data that you release to be machined or made or tool. Uh, we did that whole process in eleven weeks. So, insane creativity.
0: There is massive free- sketch. there is massive uh, opportunity and freedom to be found in compressed timelines. Yes. I made that. As, uh, I, that's, that's available. That's available as a t shirt, by
1: the way. <laughs> it's a very catchy t shirt. <laughs> it's um, very much the uh, the, uh, the theory of how we work at Lincoln Co. Um, our friends and colleagues in China like things to be done yesterday. So it is a great challenge to do things in a timeline of half or a third of what the industry standard is. And honestly, the team that I'm working with, they just run at 110% all the time. And we keep getting things done. And it's incredible to me. Absolutely incredible. I've never so seen anything it, like
0: it. It, it. The distance between what you have on, uh, I mean, everyone's going to be running to your Instagram account. What, what, yeah. what is, what's, your, what's your Instagram account? We should let people know so they can see. The, uh, what, <laughs> Come now, Beasley. Okay. You, don't, you don't know. I uh, might it's have changed a, it. It's got a peculiar name.
1: UN Design Bureau. That Undesign. was the name of my Undesign okay. Bureau. So that was Und- the name of my limited company when I was a freelancer. <laughs> okay,
0: so if you go into Undesign Bureau, everyone who's listening, or all three, all, all three of you, uh, you'll, see, <laughs> you'll 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 see. So the distance between what you've created, which I think looks incredible, and actually in uh, in some ways, not in, in part of the family of the Polestar ish, it has. I mean, not to it does seem like there's some there's some not similarities it just feels like maybe some of the same words in the same language but anyway that is what's the distance between that thing and what's going to be really produced or is, or you don't know yet? i can't talk about that <laughs> i for god's sake toledano
1: nice try <laughs> uh, no um, here,
0: drink this beasley you'll feel yeah. woozy in a
1: minute <laughs> <laughs> I, I can honestly say that it is serving as a great inspiration but as soon as we do something like that obviously we're now looking to the next big thing uh, right. It's a constant evolutionary process. You can't just put a pin in the floor and say, right, that's it. Everybody go on holiday. We we are constantly moving forward. And that that model, particularly the concept car, was just a great statement of intent to show what can be done in not only a short timeline, but also how we evolve as a brand, even though we're still very young. So a lot of the language, for example, was an amalgamation of some of the designers' work that we see in the studio that we placed onto one concept so we there's a lot of elements on that and it is quite a busy design but there is a common thread a, a singular read through it um, like the, the pinch the what we call the y shape on the body side uh it's something that we've always wanted to try and you know you try and propose that sometimes it's not as successful as, as it can be but on the show car got acres of fender so you can play around a bit with the sculpture and see what happens there was it was at the same time. It was a nice statement for where we want to be, but it was also a great opportunity to really explore and ch- f- try and find new shapes, new volumes, new ways of looking at uh, stance and proportions. Is this a, this so, yeah, is an yeah,
0: ele- electric car?
1: That one was a hybrid. Hybrid. Um, so you know, we we do have hybrids in our range. We are obviously moving on um, to the future in, in various guises of powertrains, and um, yeah, it was just. It was all part of the story. So if you ever read all the, the the bump about that, there's a good reason why it's a hybrid and there's a reason why it's positioned and shaped and and uh, cut the way it is.
0: Do you, do you think that we are a kind of approaching another golden age of car design? I mean, let's just say the 70s, to me at least, the early 70s was this, or late 60s, early 70s was this amazing period. And then we went through this sort
1: of doldrums, the 70s, 80s, not very interesting. I don't think we're approaching another golden age (laughs) i think we've shot ourselves in the foot with that one really i think yeah i i think we're about to go past it and the reason why i say that is because this whole flying car drone thing is just a pardon the pun it's a terrible pun it's just about to take off
0: (laughs) (laughs) ah this is fascinating man so hang on a minute you think that We were sort of on the cusp of amazing car design, but it's going to be superseded by everyone's going to be jetsoning around in flying drones.
1: I think so. And you look at the amount of money that's been given to private aviation companies, car companies buying up, um, EV flying taxi companies and all this stuff. Yes, it's in its infancy, but already you're starting to see designers move towards that. They're starting to experiment with it. We're at that horrible period of what happens if you just stick wings on a car? Oh, crap, no, that's a bad idea. Let's actually just put Rotodynes on it. Let's let's change that It's in its entirety. Car design, where we are right now, it's all the same. I am awed with modern car design for the most part. It takes a lot to really impress me. Christ, I sound old. But if you you look at the, uh, <laughs> the golden the age, uh, <laughs> uh, if, if you look at that golden age and you look at that period where overnight you had mirror and then um, Stratos Zero, People just went, what the bloody hell just happened? And it was what? the space race that changed it. Right.
0: Oh, really? That's what you think? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, look at it. 1967, 68, 69. So you've got Sputnik. You've got um, but hang landings. on. Sputnik was,
0: Sputnik was way... Sputnik was late yeah, 50s, but that, 58. So that,
1: that kicked it off. But 67, 68, 69, you've got the Apollo missions. Yeah. And the, the race for the moon. So all of a sudden, people are like, oh, space is within humanity's reach. So all of a sudden, things become pointy shaped, rather than the very classic feminine, masculine, mirror-esque shapes. And I think the space race caused our understanding of design to change. Everything went into the the atomic space age. Everything became aero-efficient. Fighter jets became mega-advanced. Cars became pointed wedges. Even product design took a massive turn. Um, Science fiction movies popped up all over the place with impossible screens and, and flat rockets. And that all happened within the space of four or five years. So naturally, the Italians, who were the fastest carrozzerias to turn this stuff around, went, ah, we'll have some of that, and cranked out a plethora of crazy concepts, which then totally redefined how we look at car design. But I think that's, that's that paradigm change right there. That was that golden age. And we can't have that because of the internet age. What is the internet age, and how does that describe a car design? It doesn't. We're just recycling the same things. We're, we're going through post 80s early 90s where we're looking at um so
0: this is utterly fascinating man <laughs> um no i'm I finding i i find you a fascinating gentleman uh, do, do you give me a beer see what happens <laughs> i can only imagine man do you do you think that the problem with the internet age is that um basically we're sort of all trapped in a. it's like we're all living in a biosphere drinking our own urine telling ourselves (laughs) we're drinking the finest claret there
1: is a bit of that do
0: you think that's what's happening because we're all sort of because it's so kind of omnipresent and it's and it's it's so kind of we just all see the same stuff repeatedly Mm. so we're kind of we're, we're kind of churning out the same stuff ish repeatedly
1: I I think so. Designers, we spoke about it earlier, we're we're social sponges. And if one interesting little idea pops up, everybody wants to have a crack at it. So for example, um, a few years ago, Blender, which is a modeling program, became uh, really popular and it's free. So students were jumping on it all over the place. mean, it's just free software. Absolutely, I'm going to learn this. And now studios are getting into the act where they're allowing their designers to create their own models in Blender. Previously, we used a program called Alias Water Studio, but that was prohibitively expensive for studios and almost impossible for students to get proper licenses. So the fact that Blender is free and you can model, you can render, you can animate, it's been an absolute godsend for the students. But it's also meant that there's been a certain type of shape that has evolved from it because of the efficiency of use of the tool, the way we treat it. And that has now, within the last 10 years, permeated into designers who might be juniors or seniors who've used that, who've wanted to recycle that idea, that feeling that they first had to get it into design. So certain brands are really pushing that aesthetic. So it's becoming this uh, drinking your own piss principle where designs are starting to look a lot like each other again. It's like the, the 50s in America. So This it's, is the only so thing. You're, you're just recycling your recycles.
0: So, so the tools are kind of, in a way, determining design aesthetics now a little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that is the case. Um, it, it's exactly the same in the 70s and 80s. You know, when when industrial product design in the 80s went all squircles, everybody mm-hmm. was in on it, whether it was the cars, whether it was packaging, whether it was hi-fis, it was all the same stuff. The, the new atomic space age design, it was all the same thing. 1930s America, streamlining, all the same thing. And I think we've got into that digital age where we can build, produce, animate, and post-production your entire project on... Behance or or Instagram, and just say, yeah, this is my new so and so brand. Like, oh yeah, that's cool. I'll tweak a bit here. Oh, this is my new so and so car. Like, you know, a minute that looks familiar, but okay, that's cool. And it just keeps going round and round in circles. And this so, is the issue with the AI because then the AI starts sampling this stuff, and it just goes back through the loop again.
0: God, that's so okay. <laughs> so what what's the what's the remedy for that then?
1: Pencil. Uh, I, I still believe in drawing by hand. Absolutely. In terms of design setting our imaginations free, I think we all need to drop wheels. I think we all need to look at this uh new mobility, whether it's um human-sized drones or whatever we want to call them. I think that is the new paradigm shift.
0: And maybe drop, within drop wheels as in no more cars. Yeah. So uh, do you I, have a Do honestly,
1: you ha- that could be possible in our lifetime?
0: Do you have uh well yours? with young snapper. <laughs> so um so do you have any drone designs? Any, any, you must have. I'm sh- come on, come now. No, I'm old
1: school. I'm old school. I've not even thought about it. To what? me, it makes a lot of sense, but I've not drawn one. It's just, uh.
0: Where are you? Are you in, are you in
1: Sweden right now?
0: Yes. I'm coming over there with beers. I'm going to play with beers <laughs> and, and make you, <laughs> make you draw a drone.
1: <laughs> it's a date.
0: Come on out. <laughs> All right, done. God, this, oh, oh. Okay, so, um. I'm going to quote to you a quote that you quoted. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Olafur Eliasson. Yep. Do you remember that quote? Awesome art, artist. Art poses questions. Yeah. Amazing artist. You, art poses questions. Design offers nothing but answers. And then you said, in today's climate, we need answers more than ever. Yep. yeah, So, answers for...
1: Stupid questions, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> but questions relating to mobility, I think, is uh, is still there's a lot of unanswered questions. Um, companies are obviously looking at uh, various forms of mobility. If we're still talking cars, or could it be last mile or uh, these bloody e-scooter things? I hate those things; they're a death trap. But we're still looking for that for that answer. Um, Do you I mean, have an even, idea?
0: Do you? I'm, I'm sure. I'm I'm willing to. I'm sure you have an idea.
1: I think, uh, this sounds like a terrible plug, it's not. I actually do think where Lincoln Co. Europe is, is a good answer. Why? Car companies need to produce vehicles. We we need to keep people employed. We need to keep the economies going. Uh, We need to keep updating technologies. That's a given. That's the way that this consumerist society works. And specifically as a car designer, it keeps me in the job. But not everybody can afford a new car. The prices of materials are going up, so therefore the starting price of cars are incredibly expensive in some cases, especially if we're talking EVs. So if people can't afford a car but need access to mobility, what can we do? And things like this Lincoln Co. Club, where you sign in and get the vehicle when you need it, will be delivered to your door. And let's think maybe two, three years from now, if this next generation of autonomy comes in with the way the cars drive, um, disabled people will be able to call up a car for when they need it to go see their friends and the car will just arrive and take you to that place that is a question that we need to answer for society how do we keep mobile how do we keep the, the gears turning in both um, the, the automotive sense but also in, in an industrial sense but equally for a societal sense we we need to answer the question of how to get people to to move how to get them well you,
0: there there are two answers there are two questions and two answers the what you're talking about the lincoln code current model is an economic solution right in a way
1: um, yes but, but you're not but I
0: but it's not a technical uh revolution in the sense of oh okay we're not we're not we're not the, you talk about the next step, like drones or, you know, whatever, yeah. like bionic suits that you just shop on your door, you put it on and, it, and it's seven, it's 10 league or was it seven leagues, 10 leagues? What were the boots? How many leagues they cover? 10 league boots? Oh yeah,
1: it's, it's 10, something like that. Yeah, I can't remember.
0: <laughs> Anyway, but, they have multiple league boots that you put on. And uh, actually, funnily enough, I was just, I saw some... <laughs> I, I i don't know what I, I my my viewing habits are peculiar they're, they're these shoes that you they're these things you put on over your shoes that are battery powered that make you walk at twice this two and a half times the speed of normal walking but you're just walking normally but they somehow amplify your so that's a mobility solution
1: sounds like crocs rub to me <laughs> sounds like what crocs rub <laughs> the uh, tailor's no. gonna hate you
0: yeah, no one's going to, it's not good. You can't wear those shoes if you have corduroy. Imagine that. Oh, she's static. <laughs> that could be the new battery. That's how powers the world. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's always thinking up. They always work out their beesley.
1: New idea. No, it's okay. Mobility is an interesting thing and in getting people to use mobility. But I don't believe in these little e-scooter things because you have to be out in the elements. And I live in Sweden where it's 50 shades of gray. And most people think it's an erotic movie. No, it's describing the weather here in Sweden. It's pretty awful. So you're going to want comfort. So you're going to want your own space. So you still need this little cocoon. So whether it's on wheels or whether it flies, people still want that nice, calm, quiet, dry space that they can call theirs. What we need to teach people is not to treat them like public toilets. So I worked on one project in uh, in Pinaferina, which was the Bolare, um Auto Electrica, the B0 car, which became the, the Paris Bolare, uh higher electric EV car. I don't know if you yeah. saw those. Yeah. And okay, they, the concept was a nice little car. The production version didn't hold up to its promise. But people just treated them like trash.
0: I Those are the electric cars shopping. you have in Paris right now.
1: Yeah. And yeah, they've they they jumped they... them all. There's now They're all in fields. They're just all binned.
0: I, w- I was always amazed at how abused they looked.
1: Yeah. Oh, they were terrible. Because people don't care if it's not their own thing. Right. So they just treat it like trash.
0: Yeah, but that's but that's a, I mean, that, how do you answer that? That's a question that I'm not sure has an answer unless you have an incredibly cohesive society like Japan where people right. wouldn't. Yeah, But in the West, they just they just would.
1: I how think do you, how do you... you need to penalize people where it hurts in your pocket. So if you pay your subscription fee and you leave your car dirty, they take a big chunk of money out. Right. It's like you show yeah. up in the back of a taxi.
0: That'd be <laughs> 50 quid, does. please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not if you leg it. Yeah, well, you can try. <laughs> and then you just run into a lamppost because <laughs> <laughs> you're so shit-faced. <laughs> yeah.
1: I've seen that. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. And as much as it was painful to see when you walk around Paris and you see like tramps sleeping in these cars, and you think God, at the f- at the same time, I can't blame them. Right. And it is it is the answer to what we need in society. We need a, a space for ourselves. So car will never go away in whatever shape or form it is we always want personal transport
0: well maybe the maybe the secret to, uh, is that people tend to treat spaces nicely when they're beautiful and and ext- and they, when they f- when the space makes them feel extraordinary or lovely right like if you went into this car and it was so lovely that you thought well i I can't i don't want to throw up in the corner because look how (laughs) nice it nice it is you know i'm not gonna take a dump on the seat because (laughs) because it's lovely upholstery is that is that not you kind of you kind of out lovely people's baser instincts is is that is that a a design
1: idea (laughs) Yes, but then you're introducing class and affordability into it. So, can you afford to look, to sit in the nice one, or do you just have to slum well, it a little bit? but
0: that's the thing. But then that's the. the well, I guess every question bursts, bursts another question. Bubble. Like, well, why can't why can't beautiful things be? Why must they be expensive?
1: I've always asked the same question, and I was I was part of um, the initial kickoff of Datsun when Nissan reintroduced the brand. And I always remember this this one design manager, I think, is an SVP or a VP or whatever his title was. Um, and he said, Oh, you have to design a cheap car. So it's like, okay, cool. We can design a cheap car. It doesn't have to look cheap. And he says, No, no, you must make it look cheap, because you have to make the rest of the cars look better. So they buy the expensive uh, cars. Okay. Like, wait, and because I've always thought, um, do you remember the Mark Newsom Ford O twenty one C? Yep. I think they missed the trick with that. That should have been a 5,000 euro car. Big plastic molded parts, super easy, but great design. Good materials where it counts, but just the simplicity of it is just good design. So why couldn't you have made that as a cheap car based on the old Fiesta platform? There would be absolute design icons, even though they cost peanuts. Yeah. And I just don't understand why you can't do that. People automatically assume cheap, therefore it has to look cheap you have I, to consult I, I, people
0: yeah I, I don't understand any okay so what, what's um what's that, give me an example of something that's that's super cheap but beautifully designed can mm-hmm. you think of it can you think of anything
1: challenge accepted <laughs> oh, that's a tough one um i feel there's people screaming at the screen right now saying oh what about this what about that yeah i know because I, know, um, I
0: can't i can't think of anything either but you know, there's. There have to be things out there.
1: I can give you a brand that maybe works. All right. Muji. Oh, you're right. That's right. That yeah, seems good. to be very economical, very cheap, honest materials, but everything has real care and attention to it. Look at yeah. that, that uh, wall hanging CD player. No cover, no glass, no buttons. Just yeah. pull a little tab.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, that's a good. That's,
1: that's great. Yeah, yeah, you're right, man. That's not a bad. Not a bad thing. Or Eames, Charles um, Murray Eames, when they oh, started right. off wanting to do this furniture, it was supposed to be for the masses. It was supposed to be cheap right. injection molded plastic. Uh, people could afford good design. And the irony is now, plastic chair is going to cost you a thousand bucks.
0: Yeah. But you're right. Plastic. though. initially, but initially those things were cheap, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and all they're all
0: beautiful. The oh God, yeah. I, I have a load. I, I love them. I love Eames. I me too. Yeah, I've got a, I've got an Eames rocker. Oh, it's beautiful, man! That
1: thing. Yeah, I've got a lounge chair, and I just look oh. at it. And I don't really sit in it.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> right, man, look! We—I think we—I've taken up a lot of your time. um I will say honestly, David. First of all, thank you, man, for for doing this. And it was <laughs> and, a pleasure. It was a it was a pure and utter joy. I mean, I feel like I, there's so many more things I want to talk to you about. Good I know we didn't up. even get into
1: to watches or anything like that. We kind of skipped that topic.
0: Uh, well, I, look, I, I would if you if you I would happily have you on again if you have the time, man, because you 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 have so many interesting ideas. Um, but you, honestly, man, thank you so much for doing this. It's been, <laughs> it's been a, an utter joy
1: my pleasure thank you so much for it. it's been uh it's been a really awesome quick afternoon chatting to you and let's definitely do this again
0: yeah for sure man now we're having in awkward english embarrassing decou- decoupling conversations yeah.
1: the 10 the 10 minute goodbye Bye. yeah
0: bye bye bye
1: all right
0: thanks again man it was a real delight
1: take care all right see you man thanks everyone